everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Date Line. A Date with Dirty Money. Double date. A double date with dirty money. That sounds like something else. I keep thinking it's called Dirty Sexy Money. That was the show that was on ABC, I think. You remember that show? Yeah, kind of. I recognize the name. Yeah. But this is called Dirty Money. This is for our very, very special Patreon, Jenna. She picked this show. She specifically picked this episode, I think, because she wants us to show the world how dumb we are about finance and how little we understand of that world. Is that possible? She's setting us up. Is it wrong that I assumed the whole time, Jenna thinks I've had a payday loan. She thinks I've had multiple payday loans. (laughs) She thinks Katie's going to have a lot of experience with this. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And I've experienced some loan issues in my life, especially of the student variety. So I am aware of the system and Mm -hmm. how angersome it is. But I did find this fascinating. I think Jenna was more in shock at what actually happens with these places, which I was too. I was shocked. You see them everywhere. You see them everywhere. They're so rampant. This episode is called Payday. It's this series on Netflix with very techno rap, electronic opener beat. Sounds like X gonna give it to you. It gonna give it to you. But like techno club kind of too. Yeah. With a lot of ones and zeros going across the screen and stuff. Yeah. This episode is about this guy, Scott Tucker. Never heard of him. Nope. Know nothing about the race car world. Nope. What if you had been like, you don't know Scott Tucker? Were you half expecting me to? Kind of. This is just an expectations episode. (laughs) No, it was more that I kept thinking his name sounded so familiar. And then I realized that I was thinking of the movie Scott Tucker Must Die. But it's not the I think it's called John Tucker Must Die. Yeah. mm -hmm. And I kept thinking that was what was happening. Were you confusing that and Scott Pilgrim? Were you? Maybe save, Saves the World. Yeah. Scott Tucker must save the world and then die. Yep. Die by saving the world. Did it. Like Harry Potter. So <laughs> Scott Tucker is a race car driver. He lives in this big house where he compulsively works out. Now, he is on a exercise bike throughout the whole episode. Yeah, that is his primary B-roll. Sweating so profusely. Mm-hmm. The amount of tears from the poor people that he scammed equals the amount of sweat that he doth sweateth Mm. in this episode. It's gross. Also, I'd start to do a count of how many times they cut to him and what it was supposed to mean each time. What was the symbolism of him on the bike? Getting nowhere. Running away from your problems. Yeah, but getting nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, that's that has to be it, right? Yeah, very good. We got it. So all of his belongings are being taken away, but not really, just his precious race cars that are being held in his big house inside. If you have cars inside a showroom in your house, that's that's a whole nother level of cars go outside. But was that inside or was that just a fancy showroom garage? I feel like he had a working garage and then a showroom garage. Like the garage had been converted into a showroom. It's a showroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's still inside. These are really expensive cars. They're very expensive race yeah. cars, Ferraris, I think. I don't know much about cars. $300,000 each. Yeah. Right. And he has several of them. And they're being taken away mm. so slowly and awkwardly mm-hmm. by these men who are repoing them with 
golf carts slash gardener kind of trucks pulling them, but they can't get the angles right. And they're trying not to damage the plants and they're trying not to damage the cars. So it's just, it takes, it, it seems to be taking an hour to just get this car just out to the street. Yeah. And then they have to get it onto the truck. So if the bank or the FBI takes your car, do they sell it at auction and then use the money to pay whatever debt you have? Is I believe so. Yeah. But they don't have to, they are under no obligation to try to get $300,000 for it. Like they could do a fire sale and sell it for $50,000 and be like, well, that's what we got for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is, this is tricky. I see. Yeah. Okay. So... We meet Scott's wife, Kim, mm-hmm. who looks like a Dixie chick. I felt like she was pretty. She's very pretty. I thought she had what we call in the business good work. She went to a good doctor because, yes, she doesn't look her age, but I think she looks good, and I She's love the pixie haircut. Very pretty. Very pretty. Love the pixie haircut. Although when I saw her face, I thought it screamed, this is not my natural face, but in a good way. I would do it if I could. I can't afford it. Now, she is very sad as the cars are being taken out. Mm -hmm. Now, he is very cranky about it, so he's exercising. And he's saying, if I had known it was going to take this GD long, I would have been out of here. And it's taking forever because he's the victim. They're both the victims. Kim and Scott Tucker, I just kept screaming in this episode, I don't feel bad for you. Well, I don't understand why he was there. If they were taking the things that I really liked, like possessions I really liked, I would not specifically not be there. Yeah, I don't know why. No, it wouldn't. It would just hurt and they scratch it and it hurts more. So also, it's a huge house. Go to the other wing, go to the east wing and just park yourself in the library there and just sit there and try not to listen, put headphones on and don't pay attention and come out in five hours. Well, I think his bike is his happy place. Yeah, that makes sense. Where he's sweating profusely and his private area is probably getting sore because those bikes are not comfortable. That's his zen. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, Kim is saying, well, I would never buy anything that was seized by the government that used to be someone's babies. And I wouldn't want to be part of the destruction of someone's life by buying something that was sold at auction. Never mind the lives who her husband destroyed. It doesn't matter. And then she says, I don't care if he's guilty of what they're saying. I still wouldn't do it. Also, don't say that maybe you don't care if he's guilty or not, because maybe that kind of means that you maybe think he is guilty. Do inside voice on that, Kim. Yeah. So Scott had a payday loan company that basically tricked poor people out of money. And into investing in candy bars, nutty, caramely candy bars. Payday. Is that the joke you're making? Yep. Okay. That's it. Have you been holding on to that? Yep. That's okay. it. <laughs> Worth Down it. Now. Worth it. Not really. So he has made over $400 million Whew. by charging these people for interest for on loans, interest two to three times what loan sharks charge. Oof. So his partner, Tim Muir, not a fan. Lawyer and partner? Lawyer and business partner. Lawyer slash partner. Okay. Yeah. Not his lawyer for this case, but for life, I think. And mostly just business partner. Got it. He, they're both facing life sentences in jail. And mm-hmm. he says, it's like being buried alive. I was like, mm. 
It's almost like being buried alive by debt, like mm. the people that you were profiting off of. So we meet our hero of the story, a truck driver with four kids, Walter Archer. What did you think of Walter? Thought he was extremely well-spoken and did a great job of breaking it down. He was the perfect person to pick. He was a great choice. And he was the kind of the everyman and you bought it. Yeah. You know, he didn't have a distinguishable accent even really. You couldn't really tell where he was from. And I felt like that was really smart because it wasn't like, oh, well, all people in the South are dumb because he has this thick Southern accent or this thick Boston accent. He was kind of just an everyman, you know? Something about his voice bothered me. That's so interesting that you say that. But I'm sure my voice bothers a lot of people. But once I got to know him and saw him with his kids, I was fine with him. Okay. So he was $500 behind in his bills. And he saw Montel Williams doing an ad for a company called Money Mutual. Montel? Mon- Damn it, Montel. I know you have MS, but that doesn't mean that you should be hawking these companies. I don't think he knows. Why Montel Williams... Is does something about Montel Williams bespeak and something inherently trustworthy to the public that will make them buy what you are selling? Yeah. Is he beloved? He's believable. He seems genuine. I would believe Montel before I believe Maury Povich. Interesting. Wouldn't you? Maury Povich is hawking such and such mutual and Montel Williams is hawking such and such mutual. I'm going to go with the Montel Williams. Not Maury's. Isn't Maury Povich married to... Connie Chung? That's why I would believe him, because I think I like Connie Chung. I don't really know who I like. Do you like Connie Chung, or do you like her because you saw her on I Love the 80s? No idea. Okay. I did not watch the news. This is not news. All of these people have talk shows. Connie Chung was news. Connie Chung was news-ish, yes. I think people had a lot of problems with Connie Chung. Really? I don't remember what they were. See, I'm learning a lot. I don't know. That whole era, I was not into learning about the world around me. Mm, okay. So if it wasn't on the real world, then I did not watch it. Yeah. I don't know how I know anything about anything. I don't know if Connie Chung was off. I don't know. Are you thinking of Jenny Jones? I'm not. Definitely know what Jenny Jones, that whole situation. I'm thinking of Connie Chung did something and it was not. Well, when we are finished, I will be Googling Connie Chung scandal. I was just going to say you could do that now. That would be good. ConnieChungScandal.com.org. <laughs> wow, it's not even filling it in for me. So maybe there's not one. Oh, she was demoted. She had a show with Maury called Weekends with Maury and Connie. The show was canceled. Seems like something happened, but I don't know if it was her fault. Maybe not. See, that's But she the... was fired or left CBS Evening News. But we don't know why. It happened in 95. Interesting. Oh, she claimed she was sexually harassed. Oh. But I don't know if it was by CBS. Oh. But that's just, I think, what happened and still happens. Connie Chung, do we like you or not? I wish you could just Google that and or just go to Twitter. Do we like this person? And then people would be like, yeah, we like her. Or like, no, they're problematic. We don't like them. I'm sorry, am I wrong? I feel like that's 90% of Twitter. It is, but you can't tell who to trust. Is mass liking or disliking of someone, something, or some kind of food. That's true, but it's so polarized now. You can't get a good grasp on if you're, if what side, who, you got to look deep dive into the tweets of the person who's saying the opinion. Then you can see if they you agree or, or not. And there's bots. It's a real person. You this don't is... even, the exact, it could be a Connie Chung Russian fan page. 
that is spamming and saying, we love Connie Chung. We love Connie Chung. And, and, and the H is like a little sickle. Yeah, uh-huh. I get you. The C's, <laughs> the C's are sickles. <laughs> and I would totally fall for it. Yep. I'll help you out. I need to get on Twitter more. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so Walter, the truck driver, signed up for a short-term loan so that his heat wouldn't be turned off. He was told, okay, now we're getting technical, guys. Jenna, you really did it to us. Mm-hmm. He was told he would borrow $500, and at the end, he'd end up paying back six fifty, so $150 in interest. And each week, the bank takes out $75. So he thinks each week they take out this money, he's paying back his loan. But then he gets a notice from his bank that he's overdrawn. And the payday company is trying to take out $950 from his bank. So he calls them. He's like, what's up? Turns out the $75 they were taking out each week were loan renewal fees. They don't even go towards your main loan. They're just fees. You are supposed to proactively go online and activate your paying back of the loan. And if you don't do that, they just keep rolling it over and charging you these renewal fees and you're never paying back your loan. Does that make sense? Did I explain that kind of okay? Yes, you did. Okay. I hope I understood it okay. So he says in the nicest terms, they were trying to screw me over every which way they can. But he says, thank God for this. In the crudest terms, they were trying to F me Mm -hmm. up the A. B-hole. B-hole without Vaseline. Well, Archie doesn't mince words. Walter... Are you calling him? Archer is his last name. Archie. Archie, yeah. yeah. I was like, this is the kind of language we want to see on Dateline. We've seen it a few times, but They always bleep it, though. Netflix? But he's a hero for the here and now. So I (laughs) I appreciate Mr. Archer. Yes. Hold on just a second. Let me close this window where they're drag racing outside. And not the good kind of drag race. That would be great if there were just drag queens walking by. Hey, girl! Your makeup is terrible. Okay, it's perfect. You would love that so much. I would love that so much. There were just a parade. It was like a flash mob of just drag queens just doing their thing. Fly, 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 fly. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Okay. At this point, we cut briefly to an old black and white movie called Lone Shark, where a guy's getting beaten up in an alley by loan sharks. And it has very, that old Batman show, Kapow! Mm-hmm. Kablooey vibe to it. Now, these payday loan companies target low-income people who are hard up for money. Scott and his business partner are facing a life sentence for this, and they're still, for some reason, in it with this business partner. He's in their kitchen, and he's saying, if you freeze, you're effed. If you fly, you're effed. Your only chance is to fight. So why are they listening to this guy still? He's in the pooper just as much as they are. Misery loves company. They're all in this together. They're all going down on these charges. I mean, I guess I kind of admire that they're not all flipping on each other to get deals. What he says is totally right. You can't do anything. You have to fight. You can't do anything else. So you've got to like spend some more money and get the best lawyers you can. But we see that that's a problem later. Right. So they're all complaining about what prison will be like for them. They're not going to be in maximum security prison. Nope. They're going to be in white collar prison with the rest of the rich dudes. 
Yep. I mean, I'm sure it's still bad. It's prison. But it's not going to be like what they're saying, where it's like, you get maybe one hour of sunlight a day. I don't feel like that's your lot. I don't feel like you're going there. I mean, on 60 days in, they're lucky if they get one hour of sunlight a week. 60 days in is hard to watch. And I really don't want you to go on that show. I've decided. Did I want to? Did I say I would? Just I'm preemptively telling you. Oh, I mean, I've thought about it, but I have such claustrophobia. I don't. But think this I'm is gonna... like the van life thing. I'm worried that this is going to come up in the next three to five years. So I'm telling you now, I'm not going to support it. Big time. That's right. my new zone out is my go to my van life videos. This is my happy place. That is my Scott Tucker on a bicycle. I will let like van life. You can work towards that goal. But the goal of 60 days in, I'm saying I will not be as supportive. OK, I, yeah. I understand that. Thank you for considering it, at least. You're welcome. So he's saying all this over some loans on the internet. And I was like... Some loans, man. It is people's lives. And that's the problem. I was thinking about this right before we were recording. And I was like, obviously, you're not murdering someone. But there's something about this kind of criminality that is... Almost worse because you are able to separate yourself from being face to face with your victims and you're able to paint this moral high ground or make yourself feel like you're the victim in this. Whereas mm -hmm. if you murder someone and you admit that you murdered someone, it's hard to have a valid excuse or to say I didn't know or whatever. Right. You know that that's wrong. But these people are just convincing themselves and the people around them that they are the victims here. Right. And it's so twisted because they're not seeing all of these victims that actually got screwed over. So at one point, Scott goes so far as to say, you know what they say, no good deed goes unpunished. Scott? Scott, I have a problem. Okay. That is the worst thing you could have said. What good deed did you do, sir? You lent people money in the time, their time of need, and then destroyed them financially. Because if these people are coming to you and they say it multiple times through the episode, it's because they have no other option. Mm -hmm. So friends and family are not an option for them. There is no other place for them to get the money they need to do whatever basic thing is that they need the money for. Like drive their children to school or have heat in their houses. These people are not coming to payday loans because they're $500 short to get their race car. Right. It's like, oh, dang it. They're not doing that. Yeah. So then we meet this lady who's another hero of the episode. We don't actually meet her. We just hear about her. Now, she took out some loans from these companies and she did a little digging once she realized they were screwing her over and realized that they're not actually allowed to make loans in these states because certain states don't allow these payday loan companies. So she files a complaint to the attorney general, who is, his name is Paul Chesson. He has a great gray mustache and a rock and tie. He looks into it. So this is how the government gets involved. Right. So she gets the ball rolling. Squeaky wheel. Yes. The government reaches out to this one dude who's the head of over 700 of these kind of companies. Because the thing is, there's all they're all the same. They're all owned by the same people. But there's um, under a million different names, mm -hmm. which you know that's shady. That's super shady. That's be like if I had 30 Etsy shops, but they all sold the same thing out of my house, but under different names. It might not be illegal, but there's something really shady about it. It's weird. I don't know if it's shady, but I'd be like, why is she doing that? And is it for tax purposes? Yeah, I see exactly. That. Okay. Yeah. So this guy's name is James Fontana. He's the creepiest creeper 
of the episode for me. He's wearing a sweater vest. He says, well, these companies, they need anonymity. And that's what I provide. And he smiles at the camera and ice went through my veins and I didn't like him. And I was glad that he was gone. So I've met people like him. Yeah. Yeah. They're terrifying. Yeah. So he's providing anonymity for these people that need anonymity for whatever reason. He doesn't ask questions, but that's what he provides. And he smiles. He's so proud. So then they try to file a complaint against him. But then these Indian tribes step forward. Now, they say Indian tribes. I thought we were supposed to say Native American tribes, but they say Indian tribes. So I think multiple, multiple times. Yeah. So should we just say Indian tribes? Well, it's literally called the Indian Council of such and such. So if it was called Native American, then I'd say, let's say that, but they're not. Okay. And even like the thing that comes up on the screen is like, do you know what I'm saying? So no, we're going to call it what they call it. I feel weird. Don't send a letter. I'm doing what the show did. We are calling it what they say on Netflix because we are sheep. Yes. (laughs) So these Indian tribes step forward and say, hey, hey, guys, we actually own all these companies. Hey, brother. Hey, what's up? Hey, brother. We actually own these companies. And Mm -hmm. since we are Indian tribes, we are allowed to own these companies, even in states where it's illegal. It's a fun little loophole that these Indian tribes have. They get lots of loopholes. Yes, they do. That's fun times. The problem with that is the loopholes were intended to give these people back a way to make money since everything they had was taken from them. The problem being when white businessmen come in and try to use that loophole for their own gain. I was just hoping that gentlemen from the Indian tribes were then using the white men for their own gain, which is sort of what I thought. And I was like, okay, so we're in a win-win maybe. Mm -hmm. So this investigative journalist who's awesome named David Heath, he -hmm. goes to the Indian tribe building and it's super shady. There's Mm -hmm. one receptionist there and the whole rest of the building is empty. And it's supposed to be this company that owns all of these other payday companies. And no one seems to know what's going on. So what is that person that's working there do? That receptionist is trying to eat her cup of soup. And this reporter comes in and she's like, I wasn't prepped for this. I don't know what to say. No, she must. She has a script and she's been dying to say it. You, oh, because she's been with like five years. They said when I first started, they said, if anyone ever asks about payday loan companies, you don't know anything you'll get back to them. That might be the greatest job in the world because she gets to sit there all day. She can have as many snacks as she wants. She has the vending machine key. Yeah, she just watches shows. She can talk on the phone, but she has cameras for the parking lot so she can get ready if she sees someone park and try to come in. So when this reporter came in, she was like thrilled. You're saying this was the big day she had been waiting for. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she has to do a big report after. So she's like, honey, I'm going to be late tonight. I got to work. Today was the day. Today was the day we had prepped for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he thinks something weird is going on. So he's going to be digging. Also digging Christopher Peterson, who's this hot professor of law at University of Utah. And he's weighing in. We have a lot of big time legal law finance people that are helping us understand because they know that we're dumb watching this. I appreciate that. I really needed them. 
I needed them in my apartment with me, actually, because I several times paused and there was like, I'm going to, could I look to you, Christopher? You're not there. This is how I felt about the inner workings of the maple syrup industry. So I'm glad that we had to, we got to each do one of these where we're like, I got, I, man, I got to Google this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I did it. I gave you the maple syrup as a gift. And then I took this one. Okay. But they were both not really gifts. They're, they were great episodes to watch. Very hard to recap. Very difficult. to We recap certain things for a reason. <laughs> Easy things because we're lazy. Yes. We're, le- we're letting our cat out of the bag here, though. I don't want people to know that. Okay. I think they have to. They've heard the show. So then we meet Scott Tucker's mom, who looks a lot like his wife. A little bit. Same haircut. A lot like his wife, but like just aged up. Just aged up, but also beautiful. I think it was just the same haircut that got you, though. Maybe. We don't really get to see her face that much. Yeah, that's true. She has sunglasses. She's proud of her son, though. And his brother, her two sons. So Mm -hmm. Scott and his brother started this business. And it started with a company called Mr. Money with a dollar sign for the S. So that's how you know it's a legitimate business. I feel like that's also a slot machine. So if your business is named after a slot machine. Yeah, Mr. Money. No scam here. Don't look away. There's a big, (laughs) there's a dollar sign in there. So 20 years later, they have thousands of employees, Scott and the brother. And it all started with this one little company. Scott took it online when the internet happened. Thanks, internet. And then he could reach these people, poor people everywhere that needed loans. Thanks, Al Gore. (laughs) We meet his uh, personal assistant very briefly, only of note that she has the exact same haircut as well. Ah, interesting. Does he demand that? No, I'm thinking that these people are smart and have figured it out. And the secretary is like, oh, he likes me more and he's nicer to me when he, I remind him vaguely of his wife. Mm, And his mom. Because he does seem to like his wife and his mom. I think he likes his wife because he reminds her of his mom. It's a trickle-down effect. It's a, that's what I, yes. Yeah. So then we hear Walter Archer, Archie, on the phone refusing to pay the debt to these customer service people. Now, we hear these phone calls with a bunch of different customers throughout the episode, and they just get progressively angrier with the customer service and progressively sadder, and it's just horrible. It's really awful. They're just arguing and they don't understand why, how they've been scammed, but they know they've been scammed somehow. And the customer service people are reading their stock answers and kind of getting annoyed that they have to do this for a living all day long, talk to disgruntled people who have been scammed out of their last dollars. This is when all this kind of started, right? So the things that we know today are not like this as much, even though they're still really rough, because I do know some friends that have borrowed from some of these places, actually. So I do know that they're rough. But I think in these days, people didn't know they were being scammed as much. I think now, if you go to one of these places, you know that you're going to get hit with the crazy interest. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just like certain credit cards. If you borrow cash out on a credit card, for example, Mm -hmm. the interest that you're charged is bananas. But I really just think not everyone knows that. Maybe not. My dad tried to teach me about money growing up, and I just zoned out. And even I have seen things where I'm like, that's my interest rate? I had no clue. I didn't understand how it was working. I thought since I was paying off the minimum, I wasn't getting charged interest. Like things that they don't teach you in high school, 
that you get hit with in your 20s. They taught you that in high school. No, I was never taught that in high school. Well, then all of our schools have failed us and the economics needs to be a major class. Nobody needs to take advanced geometry because you'll never use it, but everybody needs to be in economics and learn how to work. I saw a meme yesterday and it said, hey, how do I do my taxes? Public school, shut up and learn how to square dance. I think it should be public school. Learn the quadratic equation. You'll never use it. Shut up. This is what mitochondria is. Yeah. So he's arguing with the people on the phone and he's saying, stop calling me. And legally, you have to stop calling me because I'm telling you to stop calling me. And that's when they say, well, we're with the Indian tribe, so we actually can keep calling you. Sorry, not sorry. Right. So he is furious and he's saying to them, I don't care if you're a member of the Martian tribe, you're from out of space, you still have to follow these rules. It's not entirely true. So then we finally go to the Indian tribe and we meet the chief of this Indian tribe who is a Native American Jeff Sessions. Didn't see it, but okay. It's very sleepy. Really? I think he was just old. He's old. He's interesting. He's interesting. He says, I trust Scott, and I don't think we did anything wrong, and I put all my faith in him. And then we see a picture of Scott with the chief wrapped in Native American blankets, tribal blankets, like they've been indoctrined into this tribe. And it's very weird. It's just icky. So then we see this chief, and he's walking through the casino, and he's waving at everybody in the casino. Specifically, hi, Sheriff. Hi, Sheriff. The, even the Sheriff's in there. There we go. So he says that the lending business was close to gaming in terms of income for the tribe, which is insane. Yeah, because that makes a lot of money. So much money. And he says what they use the money for is to help out people in the tribe, to help them repair a leak in their house and things like that. Okay. So he says we haven't done anything illegal. We don't know. I am hoping that's what the money is for. Have we heard about corrupt tribe leaders? I'm sure. Okay. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, Kimberly. I learned that in economics. <laughs> <laughs> so then we hear this other lady talking to customer service on the phone arguing. And the customer service person is talking so fast about the terms and conditions and it's so confusing. No wonder people are confused. And the lady says, well, you're just screwing people over. And she says, ma'am, it was in the small print and you agreed to this. It's in the contract you signed. Yeah, it's rough. I've wondered often how telemarketers do it just because you're getting hung up on constantly. But this is worse because you know that these people are at the end of the line and they are confused and they're being tricked by the company that you work for. It's rough. And you just signed up because you needed a job too. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it hurts. This hurts, yeah. So then we meet, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Iona Gorecki, and she's an attorney for the Federal Trade Commission. So now they're on top of it. She explains to us, well, she explains to me because I was still lost, that when you sign the small print, there are four boxes that you're supposed to check online and each one takes you to a separate document that you're supposed to read. So four different documents of information that you're supposed to sign. So if you take out a loan for 300 and you're told you'll pay 90 in interest, 
So 390 total. I wound this like seven times to understand. The first payday, they take 90 out, and then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth. So that equals 360. So you think, yay, I only owe $30 more. But then they take out $140, which is 90 of the finance charge and 50 for your principal payment. So at this point, you call because you thought you were done. So at the fifth payday, that's when people get suspicious and they call. Mm -hmm. And they say, because you didn't go proactively online and say you want to start paying off your principal loan right away, it waited four paydays and you were charged $90 as a service fee each time that doesn't go towards paying off your loan. It's a service fee only. It's not going towards your principal at all. Right. So for a $300 loan, you would end up paying $975 if it went all the way through. And the employees knew that the customers calling in were confused. And that's part of what the Federal Trade Commission is looking at. Like, is it that the customers are not understanding what's happening to them? And it's so obvious from all these phone calls that they don't. Now... She says that the language is so confusing in the agreements that no reasonable consumer could understand it, which means that Kimberly is going to have some problems. Right. They show one of the arguments and they highlight the parts of the sentence that are interrupted by other parts of sentences that make up the part where they're explaining to you how this works. And then they have to rearrange them on the screen so that they're in a completely different order to make it understandable that wow. you have to do it. So you it's like cutting out a jigsaw puzzle and pasting it back together so no one is going to read it and understand it the way it's written like that. Right. So Scott's partner, Tim, is saying the customer knew what was going on. And mm-hmm. at this point, Scott kind of zones out and he's not, he's like half listening, but he's staring off into space like, Hello, darkness, my old friend has started to play. And I just felt like he doesn't even buy it himself at this moment. When Tim starts talking, he just kind of shuts down. He's on his bike in his mind. So Tim is saying that this model has been used in this industry forever, which I guess makes it okay. Then we see a customer service person for one of these companies who is in silhouette because she doesn't want us to see her, except there's enough light coming from behind her that you can pretty clearly make out her face. Oh boy. And she says that the company was toxic. And then we meet this other customer service guy. He is willing to be seen on camera. I saw you, guy. We all saw you. Good for you. And he, not that it, there was something bad about the other girl. I didn't mean to shame her. Silhouette lady is fine. So he says that in the day one of training, they were told to say they were located in Oklahoma even though they were in Kansas. Wow. And I feel like that would be a really gig of a giveaway that something not right is going on. But when you need a job, you need a job. So I guess they make an excuse for why they have to do that. Oh, it's some rule thing. Don't worry about it. You know? They do. That's exactly what happens. They just make something up and you buy it because you need a job. Yeah. So they have to say they're in Oklahoma because that's where the Indian tribe is. Uh And... The managers of the companies would email the service people, customer service people, the weather report in Oklahoma so that they could lie and make small chit chat like with the people on the phone about the weather. That's real bad. It's really bad. And Scott says he did not know that they were doing that. That was a manager's choice. And he's blinking like crazy, which is his tell 
He's saying those people weren't my employees. My employees worked on the tech stuff. Those people were employed by the tribes. Mm. Okay. Okay. So so blame it on the tribes. I yeah. See. Then we meet this, well, we overhear this lady who worked at the tribe, and she worked for this guy who is supposedly the CEO of one of these companies, Don Brady, but he's really just a big wig at one of the tribes, and he is not really involved be on paper he is and so she's recording this conversation with him because she knows that something shady is going down her name is carolyn williams another hero southern accent she says this is shady and he says you're being irrational carolyn and you know women love to hear that they're being irrational yeah that's smart and she says this is just one big happy birthday scott tucker Wow. Is that an expression? I love it. Happy birthday. That means you're getting paid. I guess so. It's like, or this is all just one big pat on the back for Scott. This is all like one big birthday party to Scott Tucker, I guess. That's, I'm that's going to start saying it because I love it. Well, this is just one big birthday party for Katie, isn't it? That's what I'm going to say next time. On your birthday, I'll say it. So it's true. Not for me. (laughs) No. I never scam nobody. No, I don't really get what it means. I'm probably going to use it wrong. Oh, darn it. Okay. Well, I wish they hadn't said it. Okay. (laughs) Good luck. I'll let you know if it works. Okay. Next time I get something and I want it all to be about me, I'll be like, this is just one big birthday party, Kimberly, isn't it? Okay. We'll do that. Okay. We'll make that work. Hey, all you true crime fans. This is Mike Ferguson. And this is Mike Morf. And we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast, Criminology. Launched in 2017, we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons. Some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of. Other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime. There are 200 episodes of Criminology available to binge on right now. And new episodes come out every Saturday night. Subscribe to Criminology today, wherever you listen to your podcast. She says, Don, this whole thing is a lie. How do you sleep at night? And he says, I sleep just fine, hon. That is not the right thing to say. And she says, money can't buy ethics, Don. Good girl, get him. And I was like, I think we all knew that money can't buy you class, thanks to Countess Luann de Lesseps. But apparently (laughs) money can't buy you ethics either. And Don says, I don't even agree with you on that. (gasps) And she says, dear God. This is pitiful. I was like, Carolyn, come work with us. Yeah, Carolyn, do you need a job? We have no jobs to give you. But if we did, yeah, we but had we'll no jobs we'll come up with something. Her. Will we? I don't know. Rody. Rody. We're not going anywhere, though. Tech advisor. Mm, does she know tech, Carolyn? She did record him secretly. Cat trainer. There you go. That seems like a pitiful job for such a hero. We got to come up with something better than that. I'll figure something out. So the employees of these companies were quizzed on who the CEOs were, and they were told Scott Tucker and Blaine Tucker, Scott's brother. Mm -hmm. And the mom even appears on the payroll. And Kim Tucker, Scott's wife, was on the payroll, but she only got only $19 million that Scott at some point funneled to her. Only. Yeah. The Indian tribes were getting 1%, which is like 
how that's to show how much money they were making that that 1% was close to what gaming was getting those Indian tribes. Can you even imagine how big this company is? I can't. It's insane. I was shocked. But also, yeah. you're using these tribals' land to have that address so you can get away with this, and you're, they're only getting 1%. They're making a ton of money. They are, but they're still getting screwed. Yeah. They should have asked for 10 At least. Yeah. So here we go. Little Scotty Tucker wants to be a race car driver. Okay. When he grows up, except he's already grown up. He has never driven one, but that's not going to stop him. He buys a $300,000 race car. It's like if I just wanted to start a new hobby and that new hobby was going to be yachting. Sailing. I was just going to say sailing. I bought a sailing yacht just to see if I liked yachting as a hobby. Daddy, I simply must have a yacht. I simply must have one. And then I get bored with it in a week. And I'm like, Daddy, I want to play the flute. Daddy, I want to make baskets. But not just any flute. I want a magic flute, Daddy. (laughs) He's doing this as a grown man who's indulging a childhood dream. Whatever, that's fine. But that's what he's using all of this money for. So he buys himself the best coach and the best team. The coach says he's not a natural. He (laughs) says he's not burdened with natural talent. If I had a time for every time I had heard that about myself. Yeah, welcome to the club. She's good, but she'll never be on camera. She was never (laughs) burdened with natural talent. She was never burdened with a face for television. (laughs) Stop it. Hashtag never forget. I have been told many similar things. It's brutal. But you're so funny, though. So maybe behind the camera? I know, right? But you can write for this beautiful person. Yeah. Have fun. There you go. So he had this huge team of employees helping him become a race car driver. And he actually starts to do really well. And he works really hard at it. And he wins. And so we're seeing them pouring champagne on each other when he wins. And no one cares where their salaries are coming from or where he got all this money from. Well, yeah, nobody cares. You just know that your hobbies, you're having fun and you get to work for this rich guy who likes race cars. Exactly. Play with his fancy toys. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean. Yes. So his coach says that Scott is shy and didn't enjoy the attention. Okay. So my first question about this, Mm -hmm. why are his pants so high cut like Fred from I Love Lucy? Is that the way all those jumpers are cut? Yes, correct. His seem to be much higher than everyone else's around him. That might have been the shape of his body and part of his not gifted with natural ability (laughs) to be a race car driver. Is that he does not look like a natural in the jumpsuit. No, he didn't. So here's how we know he really doesn't enjoy the attention. This is the dead giveaway, how you know he's shy. Right. He has this blonde, pretty reporter that is following him around and asking him questions, filming him with a microphone, posting the videos online. Turns out she's not a reporter. Get away from me. I hate it. I'm so shy. I can't answer any more questions. I didn't do this to be in the spotlight, Janet. I did it for the racing. Back away from me. So 
Turns out she's not a reporter. She's an employee of him, of his, that is just following him around with a camera crew and asking him questions and posting it online and acting like a reporter. So sure, coach, tell us that he didn't enjoy the attention. This whole section right here is the perfect fake it till you make it. Yeah, totally. Fake your way into it. So people see it online and they're like, whoa, he's big time. Big time. Yeah. It's very what Payne Lindsay did, though, which is why no one likes him. Well, next time we go to CrimeCon or some such convention, we need a slew of elderly men in T-shirts with our face on it Mm -hmm. that, like, do muscle poses. It'd be funnier if they were elderly gentlemen, though. I think, yeah, sure. Okay. Where can we find elderly gentlemen? And can we pay people to scream and faint and need the vapors when we walk into a room? We're going to need to go to a couple of... Retirement communities? Retirement communities and pick up some some willing dupes. I mean, just some people. Just people that, you know, okay. will want to be paid. Who would pay someone <laughs> to stand in a rally and support someone? That's insane. So... He's shy, hated the attention, but he lets these people make a documentary about him, which is kind considering how much it embarrassed him. He made it. Yeah, he made it himself. And he lets the Wall Street Journal do a glowing article about him, which is, again, kind. The coach says he's very clever and clever pisses people off. And I was like, is he that clever? He got caught. I am pissed off for sure, but he did get caught. So I prefer people who don't get caught. So his coach brags that he got the Indian tribe idea from him because he was telling him, look, if there's a big rule book for white drivers and there's a small book for Native American drivers, I'm going to hire a Native American driver because there's less rules, which I don't even know if that's true or why that whatever. I think he he, was making a weird analogy and it's not a real analogy. But but Scott, or maybe it is, but Scott took it and did it. And with his company, we did it with his actual company and millions of dollars. So I was like to the coach, don't brag that you gave him this idea that is going to wind him up in jail. Because You're going to go to jail, buddy. Oh, boy. Don't brag. That's like saying I gave Al Capone all of his ideas to <laughs> to fraud everyone and to kill people. Yeah, yeah, to kill people. So Scott made at least four hundred million dollars from this business which was routed to his racing, his cars, $8 million Aspen vacation house, a private jet, vacations, and shell corporations. 1.5 million people were affected. These are people living paycheck to paycheck and were taken advantage of, and you hear their phone calls throughout. It's really rough. But the Federal Trade Commission is trying to get all these consumers' money back. So then we see Scott and he's forlornly walking through the empty rooms of his once bustling office. The floor plan, it's all empty and there's like the lights are all off. And we're hearing the muffled, upset customer service calls very dramatically. Yes. Over this uns, uns, uns techno music. So it's like uns, uns. I'm not paying you guys. You guys are screwing me over without Vaseline. Uns, uns, uns. But it's like all muffled. It's combined like a remix track. And it's like all in Scott's head as he's walking through the office. Yeah. Very dramatic. So the court agrees with the Federal Trade Commission that they should owe $1.3 billion. Yeah. And it's the largest judgment the Federal Trade Commission has ever gotten in court. Wow. So 
at this point, when they leave the office after Scott was hearing all this dramatic stuff, they're filming him from very, very far away. But you hear him mumbling to himself, like, I don't give two Fs and they can go F themselves and all this stuff. And I couldn't tell if it was they filmed him far away and he didn't know he was miked or if they filmed him and he was saying that stuff to the camera and then they turn the volume down to make it look like he's mumbling to himself like Robert Durst. But either way, he looks crazy and it's not a good look. And I felt like that was shade. It definitely looks like that. It looks like he's mumbling to himself. But my first thought was, oh, he's on a he's on the phone. Could be. Yeah, maybe. So this is a phone call that he had, but we don't get to see him on the phone. Because I don't know if he knows he's being filmed at this point. No, you think he's walking around the track. Right. Because the rest of the time he's composed. It's Tim, the business partner that cusses and is really pissed about everything. Yeah, he's very composed and very calm. But this point you hear him being like cussing up a storm and really doesn't care about anything. He's so Just take it. I don't effing care. Just take it. And I think he's talking about the car. The car? He says, just take it. Just take it already. I don't give a, an F about that. I think he just that. spent all just the money because there's multiple cars. Oh, okay. It seemed like he was talking about something specific. Never Maybe. Mind. Maybe that was one thing they were trying to get at because I think they were probably haggling at this point, like what they can take. So then Blaine Tucker, Scott's brother, kills himself when this ruling comes down. Mm. And the coach blames the government. He says they have killed someone. I don't really want to get into... Who's at fault here? It's very sad regardless. Regardless, it's extremely sad. And Scott is trying not to cry, but it's really awkward. And he's trying so hard to just say, yeah, it was a tough time. It was a tough time. But his lip is shaking violently. It's really hard to watch someone not to cry. I I feel like it's harder to watch Scott try really hard to keep it together when everything in him is trying to come out of his mouth in a primordial scream. And he's trying to, like, push it back. It's rough. I'm like, you're going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You're going to give yourself a stroke, buddy. Calm down. But it's awful because he must feel partially responsible, right? Well, he doesn't say that because he's never going to say that. But I have to feel like he does. And he's the one who has to go tell their mom. So he must feel responsible to his mom, too. Yes. But it's It would be a lot. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And it was his best friend. He said his best friend his whole life. They started these companies together. And I don't know how much the brother knew, but I know he knew that the interest rates were high. But it's horrible. They're all blaming the FTC for his death. He is the coaches. And Tim, the partner, says that every business person in this country should be petrified because they could come after you next. That scared me. I was like, all right. Like us? Do we have a business? Is this a business, what we do here? Kim is now whining. I shouldn't say whining. Sorry, Kim. She's kind of whining that everything has been taken from her as she continues to live in her well-furnished mansion. This is shade. Now they are showing the mansion basically room by room. As she's saying how she has nothing left. Beautiful furniture. These royal blue velvet covered high back chairs. Like the most beautifully glassy decorated house. A lot of vases and glass containers filled with things. Really just stunning. A clear glass table that's like this thick. It doesn't look like children live there. And then we find out that there 
is a child that lives yeah. there. Yes. But Kim is very upset, though, because she can't use a credit card or get a loan. Right. How ironic. But she doesn't seem to get the irony. So family and friends are paying their bills for them. So it's tough, she says. And I was like, tough is the people who took out loans because their family and friends are also living paycheck to paycheck and they can't help bail them out. You're lucky that you have these family and friends that can help you. Okay, so wait. So I've learned a little bit about finance in the last couple years from my own research. And I'm not going to say on what or whom. You can figure it out. But can't you move money overseas into different banks, into different... They made shell corporations, correct? Yes. So where's their overseas money? Where's their Deutsche Bank money? They have that too, but I think the government's coming after that as well. But she needs to go there. She needs to take the child and move to Switzerland, is what I'm saying, and live well over there. Don't stop trying to live in the United States. You need to leave the country. She she and the daughter need to leave the country, and he should have sent them away. I'm pretty sure the government is probably taking their passports. The whole family? She's an employee of the company. Oh, that's right. Shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. Protect your wife. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. (laughs) If I've learned anything from television, I know that. (laughs) Scott says, I'm just a business guy from Kansas City. How can I get hit with this $1.3 billion settlement? And again, Shade, because he's like, I'm just a business guy from Kansas City as they're showing his cars in the home showroom and his Steinway piano, which I Googled. And costs up to $130,000. Yes, ma'am. It's a grand piano. Yeah. So he's like, it's a pretty tough situation. Then the Justice Department notices that these lenders are violating federal government racketeering laws. Laws that were originally put into place to stop the mafia and extortion rackets. So now they're charging them with all of this stuff. So the FBI one day bangs on Scott's door with guns and bulletproof vests at 7 a.m. Scott is on his exercise bike because he's never not on the exercise bike. And he says, you would have thought El Chapo was here. They do the same thing to Tim Muir's house at 7 a.m. in front of his kids. They arrest both of them at their houses. So the U.S. Attorney General announces charges for $2 billion dollars. And say they were over 4 million Americans that were affected by this. So they're charged now with racketeering, wire fraud, money laundering, and truth in lending charges because of those confusing agreements that they made people sign. And they take Scott's money that was set aside for a lawyer and they freeze it so that he has to get a court-appointed attorney, which is like spitting in the wounds for Scott. That's crazy. Tim Muir is so mad and he's saying the attorney general can shove it up their bum and he's really mad. And then we see all this happening over footage of race car drivers racing and a car getting caught on fire. Brilliant symbolism. Then Scott's daughter, very sweet girl, she's reading a poem that she wrote about her dad, that he's a good man and she's proud of him. It's a great poem. I got to give it to her. It's much better than I would have done at her age. I was like, there you go, girl. And she reads it very sweetly. She says, I have some doubts, but I'm pretty confident that he's innocent. And he's beaming at her proudly. I think the way she says it is great. She says, I, of course, have doubts, but I believe. I just feel so rough for her when she has to go to school. Who knows what the kids in her class know? 
It has to be so rough for her. It's terrible. Yeah. So Walter Archer, our hero, Archie, says he wants Scott Tucker to know that there are people that were homeless, had their heat turned off, couldn't afford to eat because of him. And he wants a public apology. It's very sweet because you they show him hosing his kids down with a sprinkler for fun summertime entertainment. And then it keeps cutting to Scott's indoor race cars being taken away. Right. And it was just Kim looks through the window stoically, mm-hmm. like with one tear as her cars are being taken away. In her cashmere sweater. Yeah. Exactly. They ask Scott, we've heard the term predatory lender. Are you a predator? And he says, no, I'm a businessman. And they say, do you think you're a moral person? And he pauses for way too long and says, I'm a business person. And then he does that stare into space mm-hmm. where you hear either the Curb Your Enthusiasm theme or Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. And it's super sad and awkward. And you just mm-hmm. feel like he doesn't really believe what's happening anymore. So Scott and Tim are both convicted on all 14 counts against them. And Scott gets a 16-year prison sentence. Tim only gets a seven. And he's the one who was complaining the entire episode about the life sentence that was going to kill him. He only gets seven years. So calm down, Tim. Stop complaining. So they'll each get half their time. So he'll get eight years and he'll get four. Not enough. I mean, I don't think he'll be able to make money again, but I don't know about that. I feel like they have ways exactly to get around The rich help the rich. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's money somewhere. But if I were him, I would just leave the country. I don't know if he'll be allowed to. Well, I'd still send your your wife and daughter out. And let your daughter, like, have a chance. Send your daughter to another family because it's not fair. she's better than you guys. Yeah, she's a great girl. They have to have a chance. Maybe not the wife, but definitely the But you know what? Girl. We've seen things like this happen. Sometimes people can come back from that. America loves a comeback story. Martha Stewart went to jail for insider trading. That's true. That's true. But she was Martha Stewart before. But maybe Scott Tucker is beloved in that race car circle. Maybe he is. And we just don't live in that world. So we don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm more wondering why Jenna wanted us to cover this episode. Was it the financial angle? Was it the race car angle? No, I think she really likes this series for one. She likes the style of it. She especially said she loves how the impact of dirty money is on regular people. Also, her husband represents a lot of consumers who have been abused by the system. So she kind of has a soft spot for these kind of cases where just a few rich people can Mm -hmm. screw over like millions of people below them. And then thankfully, people like her husband are fighting. And the people in this episode were fighting to get them their money back and stuff. That was the best part of the episode were the phone calls when you got to hear people saying, well, that just doesn't make sense. Well, you never told me that. Well, that doesn't make sense. And then seeing the language where it was placed. Sure, if it was a complete sentence that told you exactly what to do, but it's sprinkled throughout this contract, you have to basically be a scientist or a wizard to put it together. It's bananas. There was an episode of South Park where it turned out that the iTunes agreement that everyone just clicks on was like that you were signing your soul to the devil or something like that, like Satan. And then iTunes decided to cash in 
on everybody. And everybody in the whole town is fighting because everyone's obviously just clicks on those agreements. Oh, and I'm sure they can sell it everywhere. Yeah, we can turn you into a race of robots now because we own you. Not saying we signed a contract like that with Dateline, but you guys will never know. (laughs) Hey, gotta go. Thanks for listening. And as always, thank you to our queens, Andrea and (laughs) (laughs) producer Susan Nall. And (laughs) And most of all, Keith Morrison. Thank you so much. You can never go against Keith. Josh, I think we have him in our back pocket. Everyone else, we're in theirs. Oh, I wish. But bottom line, Scott has really spiky hair like Ken from Dateline, and he was on his bike a total of eight different scenes, just sweating as much as I am sweating recording this episode without my air conditioner on. And I'm not doing any physical activity. An interesting life note, I'm currently looking at an exercise bike. (laughs) Well, see, my friend got a biking desk. But didn't you get that rowing thing? Do you use that? Oliver took that to work. Oh. So he and a bunch of the sweaty other men at work use the rowing machine. And so there needs to be something here because we can't leave. So. That seems good to do in a pandemic is share sweaty gym equipment. Yeah. I wonder how much it's being used right now. Probably not at all. Oh, actually, I think he said that someone broke it. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Did you use it when it was there, though? When it was here at the house? Yes. Yeah, I did. I wasn't very good at it. It's not really my jam, I got to say. I'm not a fan of the rowing machine. I might like a bike. I don't know. I think I might. Well, this is like me getting a yacht. Oh, why? Or Scott getting a race car to try out a new hobby. You have to try it first before you just get the bike. It's not really for me. It's more for Oliver. So the question is, does Oliver like the bike? And he bikes a lot and thinks he will if he gets the right one. So... Well, that's what, hence So you're not getting a Peloton. I don't know what that is. (gasps) Is that an elliptical? No, it's a bike. Is that the spinning bikes? Yes. With the commercials that everyone was mad about. No, I don't think he's getting a spinning bike. I think there's a different one that he was looking at, but we'll see. I don't know. These are things I don't know. Hmm. It's a whole new world. I don't know anything about it. It's like race car driving. I know. I feel like I'm learning things. Through this series. That is true. So thank you for that, Jenna. We appreciate knowledge. I like it. Like if ever there's a question on maple syrup industry, I will know things now. Well, if you ever need a payday loan, you'll know to read the fine print. I'm just going to come to you and beg you for money instead. You'll charge me normal interest rates. (laughs) I have a nickel. You'll be like, for kitty pets, Anytime you want to borrow, that's what your interest is. You have to give Ulysses three kisses on the nose. You have to be nice to Ulysses because she loves you so much. So you've got to be nice to her. She gets so excited whenever you're on the screen. She's like, hey, I know her. Oh, Thank you, Jenna. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Keep your dirty money in your dirty pockets to yourself. You filthy animal. You filthy animal. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. But I think you're supposed to keep your hands clean right now. It's COVID. Oh, yeah. Money's dirty. And there's a chain shortage. So, yeah, just so maybe just wash your hands. and credit, uh, Just use credit cards. There we go. Bye. Bye.